This is the word of the Lord found in 2 Kings chapter 21. Starting with the first verse and reading to verse 18. 2 Kings 21, starting with verse 1. Manasseh was twelve years old when he began to reign, and reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, after the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he reared up altars for Baal, and made a grove, as did Ahab, king of Israel, and worshipped all the host, host of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son pass through the fire, and observed times, and used enchantments, and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers, only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake by his servants the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, hath done these abominations, and hath done wickedly above all that the Amorites did, which were before him, and hath made Judah also to sin with his idols, therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth of it, both his ears shall tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria, and the plummet of the house of Ahab, And I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies. And they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies because they have done that which was evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came forth out of Egypt even unto this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another beside his sin, wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and his sin that he sinned, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Manasseh slept with his fathers and was buried in the garden of his own house in the garden of Uzzah, and Ammon, his son, reigned in his stead. I do want to say some thank yous. Uh, thank you for a good supper. Thank you for some good song lady. Thanks to this church and to the pastor of this church for the invitation to be with you at this time. I 
do appreciate you. I appreciate the faithfulness and diligence and courage of your pastor and treasure his friendship. Appreciate all of y'all being here tonight. There's some folks that came from further distance than we did. And I, I don't take it for granted. Thank you. I appreciate you being here on a Friday night. The Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of that. Amen. But it's still hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Thank you for doing it. May God bless you for doing that. Um, I don't know why this text is on my mind. I do have a message with it. But I, I don't understand the applicability to this audience. And over the years, it seems to me that the Lord has showed me don't try to figure out what's appropriate for the occasion. Just preach what you have. And that's this text is what's on my mind tonight. Manasseh reigned longer than any of the kings of Judah and Israel. I think the next one I can think of that reigned anywhere near as long was a good king, Asa. And he reigned about 51 years. But Manasseh reigned 50 and 5 years. He had a good daddy. His name was Hezekiah. Hezekiah began to reign at 25 and launched through his leadership a revival in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem. And in the first 14 years of his reign, not only did he launch that revival and put away idols and restore the proper usage of the temple, the house of the Lord, but he faced down the mighty Assyrian empire that surrounded the city of Jerusalem. Great fearfulness. And God came down and smote the Assyrian army and delivered Jerusalem. Hezekiah had fallen sick and he prayed God. God gave him 15 more years of time on earth. And so Hezekiah was a great king. He was a very good one. Hezekiah means he whom Jehovah strengthens. Or he whom strengthened by Yahweh is what the name means. And his mother, Hephzibah, her name means my delight is in her. Manasseh means forgetfulness. Do you suppose sometimes you and I might receive a good heritage and people guide us and lead us and teach us in good things and we're just forgetful of it? Do you suppose the Lord might ever bless us richly and we're just forgetful of His blessings? Manasseh means forgetfulness. Manasseh came to the throne at 12 years old and he reigned 50 and 5 years. That means he died at 67. That's how old I am right now. So you kind of know where he was at when he finished his reign, finished his years on earth. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. To the degree that the Lord said the chastisement of destruction is coming upon Jerusalem and Judah. And there were times that it could be put off for a while, but it would not be avoided. The Lord would bring that severe chastisement upon Jerusalem and Judah. So let's just look at these things that have been said, and then I want to read some comments on Manasseh in the Scripture in connection with that. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. I want to say something important. The things that are in the sight of the Lord, 
course, everything. The Lord sees everything. But the way that the Lord sees them is the way they really are. Amen. I have my own perception about things. So do you. So do a lot of people. That's our perception. And our perception is important. But I want you to know all of our perceptions are subjective. The way that God sees things is an objective, absolute truth. And that needs to be said because that's being uh, obliterated in the culture that we live. There is such a thing as absolute, objective truth. And the way God sees things is the way that truth is. So... He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. That means He did that which was evil. Period. After the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel, Manasseh did like and worse than the Canaanites that were destroyed before Israel came into the land. For He built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, And he reared up altars for Baal and made a grove as did Ahab king of Israel and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. So all of the places where idols were worshipped that his dad had gotten rid of, he built them again. And he set up groves. Those were places for very ungodly worship. And he worshipped the host of heaven. Seems to me that Manasseh was probably really into astrology. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He didn't just practice astrology. He moved the practice of astrology right into the temple. This is the temple that God gave the plans to David. David passed the plans to Solomon along with a lot of building materials. Solomon spent seven years and built them just the way the Lord had instructed him. And when they dedicated the temple, the Lord sent fire and glory down from heaven to consume the sacrifice and show, I'm going to bless this place. This is exactly what Manasseh is now bringing astrological worship into. And he made his son pass through the fire. That means he sacrificed his children to false gods. And observed times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. In addition to astrology and child sacrifice, Manasseh was very much tied in with what we would call today the occult. I don't think that word appears in the Bible, but we use it in this time. It means trying to get spiritual guidance from spirits other than the living God. You know, brothers and sisters, you and I shouldn't even pray to angels. The way angelic help works is this. This is the way the Bible says you pray directly to God in the name of Jesus Christ, and if He wants to send an angel, He'll do it. That's our relationship to the angel. I believe angels intervene in our lives. I believe angels sometimes protect us in ways we don't understand. I believe angels bring messages from God. But you don't communicate and say, Oh, angel, come help me. You say, Lord, help me. And he may help you direct, or he may send another human being as the angel, or he may send somebody like Gabriel. It's his choice. He knows how he wants to provide the help. Talk to your father. And he set up a graven image of the grove that he had made in the house 
of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I make the feet of Israel move any more out of the land which I gave their fathers, only if they will observe to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. Manasseh, in addition to bringing in symbols of astrology into the temple, he brought in the, the worship of the idols of the groves right into the house of God. And of this house of God, said God, God said, this is a place that I'll allow Israel to rest and stay just so long as they keep my commandments. There was a steady place for them to rest. But they hearkened not, and Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. Now I really want to make a point that I hope you'll listen to. Manasseh made Judah to do this, Jerusalem to do this, but I want you to see that the Bible doesn't tell us that Manasseh compelled them to do this. It says Manasseh seduced them to do this. There's a different... It didn't mean he sent forth his armies and said, worship Baal and practice astrology or I'm going to kill you. He enticed them. He made it seem cool. He made it seem fun. He made it seem modern. He made it seem with it. And he enticed them and they were seduced. He didn't force them. He just influenced them and they were influenced. Do you suppose that might be happening in our culture today? Amen. Do you suppose that, I mean, now we even see some things that are a little more forcible and it's, it's uh, concerning. But up until this point, we haven't seen all that much compulsion. We've seen a lot of seduction. And we've seen a lot of good people be seduced into this. Into the culture of self-worship. Into the culture of turning from the Lord and His Word. Into the culture of pride and, and putting self before God. We've seen that happen. That's what happened in Jerusalem at this time. And the Lord spake by his servants the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, hath done these abominations, and hath done wickedly above all the Amorites did, which were before him, and hath made Judah also to sin with his idols, therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth of it, both his ears shall tingle. That is, this news is going to be so shocking. It's going to be so uh, surprising and so in, involving that it's going to cause your ears to feel like they're tingling. It's going to be a severe chastisement. And I will stretch over Jerusalem, the land of Samaria, and the plummet of the house of Ahab. Remember, God had the whole house of Ahab and Jezebel destroyed. Yeah. And then Samaria was besieged and destroyed and the people divided and scattered across the Assyrian Empire. He says, And I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. 
And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies, because they have done that which was evil in my sight, and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came forth out of Egypt, even unto this day. So he says there's been a whole lot of sinning, even from the time they came out of Egypt. That's the nation, uh, the nation of Israel has done. And God had borne with it, and he had sent prophets, and he had given chastisements, and they had turned back to him and turned away and turned back to him and turned away. He said, but it's reached the point that I'm going to bring a severe chastisement. It's going to be destruction and captivity. And, he's, and God promised he's not going to turn from it. There's a delay of it. There was a putting forth for a space, but God didn't turn from it. And then verse 16 says, Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another beside his sins wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. In addition to idolatry and astrology and wizards and enchantments and familiar spirits and all of this, there was just a lot of innocent people being killed. And do you see how this goes together so often in human history? That when people are trying to truly serve God, the weak and the innocent have this umbrella of protection. Fathers, their hearts turn toward the children. And children, their hearts turn toward the fathers. And the fathers and mothers cherish each other. And there's a protection for the young and for the weak. And... They put God above all. A husband will love God foremost and his wife second above anything else and his children after that and his hobbies and his works and his friends all after that. There will be a proper prioritization of serving. God will be first. Your spouse will be next. Your children will be next. Your friends and your hobbies and your work and all that will come afterward. There will be that, and it works so well for protecting those that are young and weak and old and infirm. But when you start turning from that and you set things above the true and living God, who suffers so much? The weak, the innocent, the little ones, the old ones, the women. I mean, really what happens is things fall apart until it's such a degree of selfishness that if you're strong, you do well until somebody stronger than you comes along. Yeah. It's kind of like the world was before the flood came. The earth was filled with violence and corruption. That's the way it was in Jerusalem at this time. And Manasseh was quite involved in it. His leadership was long. His leadership was intense and his leadership was seductive. And that's how Jerusalem and Judah not only began to worship false gods and have the astrology and the wizards and the familiar spirits and the occult and all of this, but he shed innocent blood in Jerusalem from one end to another and God's chastisement, a very severe chastisement for Judah and Jerusalem was on its way. Now let me read some scriptures in connection with that to show you that God would not turn from His purpose on this. If I go two chapters over, 
to 2 Kings uh, chapter 23, we read about a reign of Manasseh's grandson. Now Manasseh's son Amon was wicked in the sight of the Lord and he reigned two years. But Manasseh's grandson was a little fellow named Josiah. He came to the throne at eight, even younger than Manasseh. You know what the Bible says about him? He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Manasseh began to clean up, I mean Manasseh, Josiah began to clean up the temple and make it fit for the worship as prescribed in the law of Moses. And you know what they found when they were cleaning up the temple? The Bible! They'd been away from the Bible so long, they started cleaning up the temple, they found the Bible. And and you know the Word of God is in the house of God. Part of the reason it's the pillar and ground of the truth. The Word of God will be in the house of God. It's part of the reason I like the King James translation better than any other uh, commonly used English translation is because it was taken from the original text of not only the Masoretic Hebrew, but the Byzantine Greek, which was used in the church throughout the ages until that translation. Most of the other popular English translations today don't use those original texts. It's like they discovered something And it's like, well, you mean the Bible hasn't been in the church all these ages? Yes, it has. Because the Word of God is kept in the house of God. So Josiah discovers that, and oh, he's just penitent. He hears them read the Bible to him. He tears his clothes. We hadn't been doing this stuff. We haven't been following God. What's going to happen to us? He sent some messengers to a prophet. The prophet was a woman. Her name was Huldah. She lived in the college court. Can you imagine the true prophet of the Lord living in a college? (laughs) And being a woman? Well, that's the way it was. There was a woman living in the college quarters of Jerusalem. She was truly a prophet of God. And they sent the messengers and she said, of a truth, God's chastisement and judgment is coming. But send back to the king of Judah and say, because your heart was tender, because you turned toward the Lord with your heart, These things shall not come. There will be peace in your days. And they had a great revival. It was a great revival. But after Josiah reigned, the first of his sons that reigned was wicked. The second of his sons that reigned was wicked. His grandson that reigned after that was wicked. And then the third of his sons that reigned after that. He had three sons and a grandson reigned. They were all bad after him. And God's chastisement came. So in 2 Kings chapter 23, reading 24 verses 24 through 26, we read this. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that Hilkiah the priest found in the house of the Lord? And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might. According to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. Spite of Manasseh's good grandson, Josiah, the sincerity of his heart, the revival that he led, the good things that happened, the chastisement of captivity and destruction was still on its way. Let's go over one more chapter, 2 Kings 
chapter 24. Starting with verse 1, read through verse 3. Speaking of Josiah's son Jehoiakim, which was a wicked king. In his days Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. And the Lord sent against him bands of the Chaldees, and bands of the Syrians, and bands of the Moabites, and bands of the children of Ammon, and sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servants, the prophets. Surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he did. Verse 4, And also for the innocent blood that he shed, for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood which the Lord would not pardon. Now finally let me read Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 4. And... uh, I'm hoping that we can start talking about the great descendant of Manasseh named Jesus Christ here very soon because that's it's not the gospel if you don't go to the cross. Jeremiah chapter 15 starting with verse 1 but I'm after verse 4. Then said the Lord unto me Me is Jeremiah, by the way. Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And it shall come to pass if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith the Lord, Such as are for death to death, and such as are for the sword to the sword, and such as are for the famine to the famine, and such as are for the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four kinds, saith the Lord, the sword to slay, and the dogs to tear, and the fowls of the heaven, and the beast of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will cause them to be removed into all kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. What do y'all think of Manasseh? What do y'all think of the man whose name was forgetfulness in the 55 years that he reigned and how he worshipped idols and seduced Jerusalem and Judah and how he shed innocent blood from one end to another? Probably don't think too well of him. Probably shouldn't think too well of him. Those actions were evil. And there was great chastisement coming upon Manasseh as well as Jerusalem, as well as Judah because God is righteous. He's holy. He's just. And that was coming upon them. But as the text said, the acts of Manasseh are also recorded in the chronicles of the kings of Judah and Jerusalem. So bear with me just a little while longer and let me read about Manasseh in 2 Chronicles chapter 33 because, you know, we actually sing a hymn about Manasseh. Some of y'all probably know what I'm talking about right now. But we sing a hymn that mentions this wicked 55-year reign, Manasseh. It's this hymn. I believe it's 355 in this particular hymn. Beneath the sacred throne of God, I saw a river rise 
The streams were peace and pardoning blood descending from the skies. Angelic minds cannot explore this deep, unfathomed sea. Tis void of bottom, brim, or shore, and lost in deity. I stood amazed and wondered when or why this ocean rose that wafts salvation down to men, his traitors and his foes. That sacred flood from Jesus' veins was free to take away a Mary's or Manasseh's stains or sins more vile than they. Now the Mary under consideration right there at the end of the hymn, at least in our hymnal that we have here, fourth verse, the Mary under consideration is Mary Magdalene. Out of her the Lord cast seven devils. You know, the Scripture never says that Mary was a prostitute. She might have been. One of her seven devils might have been one of sexual promiscuity. I don't know. But what the Bible tells us is she suffered from seven devils and the Lord set her free. And the Lord blessed her to be the first person that the Bible records that saw Him after He rose from the dead. That sacred flood from Jesus' veins was free to take away a Mary's stains. A Mary's or Manasseh stains or sins more vile than they. Let's read about that. Second Chronicles chapter 33. Starting with the first verse, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and five years in Jerusalem. But he did that which, but did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, likened to the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for Balaam, and made groves, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom, also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed to your fathers, so that they will take heed to do all that I have commanded them according to the whole law and the statutes and ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and Israel and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err, and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns, and bound him with fetters, and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction... He besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again 
to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Now after this, he built a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even to the entering in at the fish gate, and compassed about Ophel and raised it up to a very raised it up a very great height, and put captains of war in all the fenced cities of Judah. And he took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places, yet unto the Lord their God only. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God and the words of the seers that spake to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. His prayer also, and how God was entreated of him, and all his sins and his trespass, and the places wherein he built high places, and set up groves and graven images before he was humbled, behold, they are written among the sayings of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Amon his son reigned in his stead. What could change a man this wicked and this hardened, guilty of this much bloodshed, guilty of this much idolatry? What could change him? The grace of Jesus Christ. Manasseh's in heaven. Now, I'm one of these folks that don't believe everybody's in heaven. I think Esau's not. I think Cain is probably not. I think Balaam's probably not. I think there's plenty of people that have walked this earth that won't be there. But Manasseh will. And it's amazing, isn't it? Is not grace amazing? It's amazing. What had to happen... For this to be done, it meant every one of those the sins of casting his little children into a fire to a false god. Every one of those innocent people whose blood he shed. Every one of those wizards and witches he paid off to get advice from spirits that weren't the Spirit of God. All of those grievous sins whereby he seduced Jerusalem and Judah to sin against God. All of those sins... That meant while he hung upon the cross in the darkness, the Lord Jesus Christ was paying for every one of those things that Manasseh had done. And here's why I find comfort in that. My great hope, great hope, very real hope, is the Lord Jesus Christ was paying for every one of the things I've done. That sacred flood from Jesus' veins was free to take away... Mary's or Manasseh stains or sins more vile than they. Can we not think of some other instances like this in the Bible? How about the Apostle Paul who not only took women and men and cast them into prison, but he says in Acts chapter 26 before his testimony to King Agrippa and Porcius Festus, he said, I compelled people to blaspheme. Can you imagine that kind of of torment that he put people through. And yet, the Lord Jesus Christ 
paid for those sins as He was dying. As He was in the darkness crying out, why had God forsaken Him? He was paying for the sins of Saul of Tarsus. He was paying for the sins of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah. It's the same case. He was paying for the sins of David who took Uriah's wife and then had Uriah's own fellow soldiers participate in his murder. These are grievous sins. All right. So God's grace is great. And God turned Manasseh. And Manasseh was turned and he repented. And he called out upon God. And it says his prayer that he prayed unto his God. And he was talking about the real God. Same evidence that God gave to Ananias so that Ananias would baptize Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus is blind. He's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming uh, to lay his hands on him that he may receive his sight. And behold, he prayeth. Grace. Grace that goes beyond what, what I might even approve of. Lord, <laughs> really? And the Lord would say, think about yourself and look in the mirror. Think about yourself. What great grace. And so, the first and foremost lesson that I hope that we can go away with is that the work of the Lord Jesus Christ is so successful that it's deeper than you and I really can even lay hold on with our greatest imagination. You know, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. His salvation goes beyond... the. It's the privilege of the Gospel to try to tell of how great it is and to always fall short. But God's grace is great. The other point is the older one that I made is Manasseh seduced Jerusalem and Judah. And then something else that I want to again emphasize is that though Manasseh repented, though Manasseh was the recipient of the grace of God, though Manasseh turned and tried to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord during those last years he lived on the earth, Judah and Jerusalem were still headed for captivity. The walls would be broken down. The temple would be burned with fire. Would still happen because you know, brothers and sisters, what we do in our lives is connected to other people. That is, when I do good or you do good, when people do good, it works for good for other people. Just think of what Laban said to Jacob. I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for your sake. God blessed Laban because God blessed Jacob. What about Joseph? Not only was the whole land of Egypt saved from famine, Joseph, in his righteous service to God, saved his family. Picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about Noah? Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord, and his whole family and the air-breathing creatures of earth were saved. What about Daniel? Daniel faithfully prayed to God. Not only were he and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego spared, but all the wise men and wizards and astrologers in Babylon were saved. You see, goodness doesn't just rest there with you as an individual. It has ripples like a 
uh, pebble falling in a pond going out, it ripples out and has effect to other people. So does sin. Remember what happened when Achan took of the cursed treasures of Jericho, which God forbade, and he took a wedge of gold and some shekels of silver and goodly Babylonish garments, and he took them from Jericho, which he was not supposed to do, and hid them under his tent. You know what happened? In the next battle, 36 soldiers of Israel died. As far as we know, innocent of that particular thing. You see, the Scripture tells us that no man liveth unto himself and no man dieth unto himself. So what's the point? The point is, Manasseh was a very evil man that by God's grace was changed. Changed radically. Changed fundamentally. As a matter of fact, anytime anybody's born again, it's a radical, fundamental change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things have become new. Old things are passed away. It's a radical change. But God had been sending these messages to Judah, Jerusalem, Manasseh. These things are wrong. Turn from them. And they didn't. They persisted, they persisted, they persisted until finally Manasseh was hauled into the thorns in prison by the Assyrians and there he learned his lesson like the prodigal son and finally came home ready to be a servant in the house of the Father. So the message to me is this. When the Lord sends His Word to us, whether it's a word of commendation or especially a word of rebuke, we need to repent as quickly as possible. We need to minimize the damage that we do in our walk here on earth so that it doesn't do so much damage to others. And I've talked with people before, and I see this, I remember talking to one young man, and he was headed in a bad direction in many ways, and his mother was such a good woman. And she was so concerned, and I said, you know, you need to change this. this. This is really hurting your mother. And he said, you know, and I wish it wouldn't. You know, what I do is what I do, and I wish you wouldn't take it to herself. I said, a mother can't do that. She's bound to you. She's bound to you in love. What you do is going to affect her. Brothers and sisters, what you and I do is going to affect not only our loved ones, but people we don't even know. Manasseh didn't know those future generations in Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar marched in and destroyed. He didn't know them because he was dead. He didn't know those folks. They chose, or that we are doing things we're commanded not to, as quickly as possible, repent. As quickly as possible. If God is calling on you to forgive someone who has trespassed against you, don't play around with that. Forgive them. If God's calling on you to submit yourself in baptism as He's commanded to show forth His death, burial, and resurrection because you know Jesus is the Christ, don't tarry with that. Do it. I'm not talking about avoiding getting out of hell. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about avoiding damaging other people in this and future generations. Because the way you live your life on earth is going to have an impact on others even if you don't know that many people. If God is commanding you to lay aside alcohol 
Lay aside a drug problem. Lay aside promiscuous sex. Lay aside pornography. Do it now. Do it as quickly as you can. You don't have to tell anybody about it. Go before the Lord. And if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, when you hear things like this, it's usually, you know, you've got to do this quick because a truck could run over you in the highway and you're going to head straight for the lake of fire. We don't believe that. We just don't believe that. All that are God's children will be held by Him and nothing from His love can sever those whom God has made His own. But I tell you what can happen. God is so faithful, He will have every one of His children in heaven. He is so faithful, He will chastise His children. Amen. And it won't be forgotten. And so it's urgent. The preaching of the gospel and the obedience of what God commands there in New Testament Scriptures is urgent. We need to do it, and we need to do it now. If God is commanding you, it says, I've given you the gift to be able to read sufficiently, read the whole Scripture, start at Genesis 1-1 tonight, and read a chapter or two every day until a year or two from now you finished it. Don't wait on that. The Lord is telling you to go before Him in prayer and pray for someone. Or pray a private confession of something you've done to Him because He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Do it tonight. Don't wait. I'm not talking about escaping hell. I'm talking about minimizing the damage and maximizing the good that not only is in your life while you walk on earth, but other people's too. Especially those that are close to you. It's that important. Brothers and sisters, if there is that you know, in matters of addiction, alcohol, drugs, porn, sex, all of that, sometimes a person will say, Lord God, I want to get rid of this. I hate it. I hate what it's doing to me. Take away that desire. Let me never feel it again. God is able to do that, but you know what my experience is? He almost never does do that. You know what He does? He gives you the grace and strength to resist it one day. And then you get up the next day and He gives you the grace and strength to resist it one more day. It's just like give us day by day our daily bread. And if that is something you contend with, it doesn't mean you're worse than me. doesn't mean you're not a child of God. doesn't mean... It just means you need to do it. And you need to do it now. And you need to do it every day until you overcome it. Until you triumph over it. So that when you finish your walk here on earth, the harm that you've done is set at a minimum and the good that you've left is made to a maximum. Blessed are they that die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, for they do rest from their labors and their works do follow them. You know, some people actually think their works follow them in heaven means instead of instead of driving a instead of dri- instead of driving a, a, a little uh, a Chevrolet up there, you're going to be driving around in a in a, a Ferrari or something. Isn't that ridiculous? You know, if your heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, 
You can't get any richer of an inheritance than that. That's not what it's talking about. Your works don't follow you to heaven. Your works follow you on earth. And you know that's so. You have known people that have lived that kind of life and they may have been gone now for 40 or 50 years and they're still a blessing in your life. Amen. You know that. Don't you want to be that? Amen. Start now. Amen. Start now. Sure is the chastisement of God to His children. Great is the blessing of grace to God's children because of the triumph and success and everlasting love of Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Amen.